Yo, what's good, my fellow ballers? Welcome back to another episode of Ballin' with Tyler Todd. Thank you for tuning in. Friday is here, and we got some hot free agency news and another edition of The Breakdown on our episode today. Rolling into free agency, we have had some household names moved around, and honestly, some boneheaded moves by a few teams, one team in particular, the Chargers. My boys are releasing the entire 2018 defense. Tom Telesco, you're giving me a headache. What are you doing? Anyway, here is a look at all the notable free agent signings of the 2021 free agency period so far. The first player on the list is cornerback Shaquille Griffin. The Jaguars and Shaquille Griffin came to a deal on a three-year, $44.5 million contract. The Jaguars are now locked in with their second starting corner for 2021, and also with the new addition of former Chargers safety Rayshon Jenkins, the Jaguars are trying to mold a young defense to make way for the Trevor Lawrence pick in the draft. The move in the secondary helps very much as the Jags played man-to-man coverage at the fourth highest rate in the league last season and allowed a league-high 8.7 yards per attempt. With the new addition of Pro Bowler Shaq Griffin and former 2020 first-round pick C.J. Henderson, the Jags now have a very good one-two punch in the secondary. I think the move is good, but I think the Jags will still falter because they always have spent big money on players, and then the team never pans out because of one thing or another. A guy gets hurt. The coaching isn't enough. Oh, this guy hasn't played to what he's supposed to be, so it never fizzles out. But we'll see. Still rooting for them, though. I mean, come on. They were my high school mascot. I at least got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Next on our list, the Cincinnati Bengals signed cornerback Shadobi Awuzie. The Bengals came to agreement with former Dallas cornerback on a three-year, $27.75 million deal. Awuzie gives Cincinnati an outside cornerback to pair with Trey Waynes, who signed with Cincinnati in 2020, but missed the entire season after he suffered a pectoral injury during training camp. William Jackson, Cincinnati's top cornerback last season, is a free agent after a strong 2020 campaign. Cincinnati is now on the move, trying to make anything happen, really realistically anything happen. They now have their franchise quarterback, Joe Burrow, and it's time to start building the franchise from the ground up. You now have the quarterback box checkmarked. A woozy in the other cornerback edition, Mike Hilton, will help improve a Bengals pass defense that was very weak in 2020. Ravens next on the list, they have re-signed edge rusher Tyus Bowser. The former second rounder out of Houston signed a four-year, $22 million deal to stay with the Baltimore Ravens. After losing linebacker Matthew Judon to New England, Yannick Ngaku to Las Vegas, and Jahard Ward to Jacksonville, it was crucial for the Ravens to at least keep one young experienced edge rusher on the team. Arguably the best Ravens cover linebacker, Bowser had three interceptions, five pass breakups, and a career-high 34 tackles in 2020. Tyus Bowser dropped into coverage on 35% of his pass snaps last season, the second-highest rate among edge defenders, a minimum of 250 pass attempts. Bowser had three interceptions in coverage, the most by any edge defender in a season in the next-gen stats era since 2016. The other four on the list being Kyle Van Noy, Hassan Reddick, John Simon, and former teammate Matthew Judon. 
Bowser can also mix in parts of the pass rushing game as he notched five sacks in 2019. And even though he only had a pair of sacks last year, he had a career high in quarterback hits with 14. A very young, productive player. It was good to see the Ravens keep him on the roster. Baltimore is right on the cusp of being super, super good. They were really talented a couple years ago, but since they have lost the majority of their star players in recent years, it is time for them to resume what they had going on previously. Fun fact about Tyus Bowser, he's from Tyler, Texas. Rad, dude. Heading to the Red Kingdom, the Kansas City Chiefs re-signed edge rusher Taco Charlton. The former first-round pick back in 2017, Taco is returning to Casey on a one-year deal. It is nice to keep him around with former college teammate Kenny Clark and also for a Kansas City defense that has been meh the past two three years. I talked to my brother-in-law about this recently and we discussed that Kansas City's defense has been very iffy and the reason why they have been so successful as of late is because of their terrific coaching and excellent play on offense. Taco provides a solid pass rush even though he was only used in nine games due to a fractured foot that ended up needing surgery. He would end the season on the injured list, finishing with seven tackles, four solo tackles, a pair of sacks, a force fumble, and four QE hits. He is very talented, just hasn't really been given the chance to excel. Let's hope he comes off that ankle injury ready to roll in 2021. Moving to another AFC West team, the Denver Broncos exercise Von Miller's 2021 option. Their all-time sack leader, the Broncos exercise Von Miller's option, keeping him with the club for all of next season. The eight-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl MVP, and Defensive Rookie of the Year is returning home. This is what Von had to say about the contract. I have totally bought into being a Coloradian for life, let alone a Denver Bronco. I want to be here forever through the thick, the thin, the Super Bowl seasons, the losing seasons. I want to be here forever. Miller is in the final year of his six-year, $114.5 million contract, and with the exercise on the 2021 option, he will make a guaranteed $7 million of his base $17.5 million salary in 2021. Vaughn currently leads all NFL players with sacks at 106 and is the Broncos' all-time leader in sacks and forced fumbles with 25. Good job on Denver to retain an all-time decorated rusher and player. Taking a trip to the Capitol, Washington signed quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, this homeboy has been everywhere in his career. <laughs> like, seriously, he's the definition of a journeyman. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. He signed a one-year $10 million contract with incentives that can make the deal $12 million. A QB room that now consists of himself, Taylor Heineke, and Kyle Allen. Washington needs to address the quarterback position immediately because none of these three guys are it, <laughs> okay? Yes, they brought in Fitzpatrick to make the quarterback room competitive, but they probably think they will get some kind of decent play from him. The signing makes sense because they need immediate help with the quarterback spot, and Fitzpatrick isn't all that bad, but I still don't believe, I still don't believe in him. Washington is trying to build a team from the ground up, just like Cincinnati, so Fitzpatrick can help segue into the next part of the franchise. Ryan is in his 17th season and now on his ninth team. While Washington builds the offensive side of the ball, specifically the wide receiver spot, Fitzpatrick will give some aid to a team that can still make a push to the playoffs in a weak NFC East. Heading to New York, the Buffalo Bills sign wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. I really like this signing and Buffalo I think will only improve from the addition of Sanders. The two-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champ signed a one-year $6 million deal with the Bills. 
The Bills already owning Stephon Diggs. This move makes a lot of sense for Buffalo. Adding another proven weapon to a Buffalo team that has a very talented offense and a very young emerging talent at the quarterback position with Josh Allen. Both Diggs and Sanders play receiver the same way. Very fast off the line and can take you deep on any play. Even though Sanders is 34, this gives the Bills another weapon to mix in with the offense. I think the move, in my opinion, is very smart since Buffalo is a team that will be in the playoff talks for the next four to five years. Bills Mafia should be hyped on this signing of Emmanuel Sanders. Heading west all the way to Glendale, the Cardinals signed wide receiver A.J. Green. Dude, this is huge news. Arguably the best receiver in the league at one point. A.J. Green joins the Cardinals on a one-year $8.5 million deal with $6 million of the $8.5 fully guaranteed. One of the most prolific players in Bengals history, he now joins a receiver room that consists of DeAndre Hopkins, possibly Larry Fitz if he re-signs, and Christian Kirk. This just adds more fire to an offense that is already solid with star quarterback Kyler Murray. Green finished last season ranked second in Bengals franchise history in career receiving yards with 9,430, second in touchdowns with 65, and second in total receptions with 649. Green also holds the team record for consecutive 100-yard receiving games with five. Green spent 10 years with the Bengals, taking home seven Pro Bowls, notching 9,430 receiving yards and 65 touchdowns, which I just mentioned. The Cardinals literally have three future Hall of Famers in that receiving group, and it's no joke. If Fitz returns in 2021, will be able to witness arguably the best receiving room in the NFL right now, and it's not even close. I will debate that all freaking day. No other receiving room is as talented as this one. You can, whatever you want to do, let me know. Turning right back around to New York, the Giants re-signed defensive end Leonard Williams. The twice-franchised defensive end reached an agreement with the New York Giants on a three-year, $65 million deal that is $45 million guaranteed. Williams is coming off a career-best season in which he finished with 11.5 sacks and 30 quarterback hits, good for third in the NFL. His 41 quarterback pressures was seventh among interior defensive linemen, according to NFL Next Gen Stats data. The Giants placed a $16.2 million franchise tag on him in 2020. With his first double-digit sack season, Williams proved he was worth that and much more as one of the NFL's most productive defensive linemen in recent years. His previous high for sacks in the season was 7 in 2016. This is good news for a Giants team that also just recently signed wide receiver John Ross. Two good additions for both sides of the ball. Not at all a Giants fan, but interesting to see crap teams make some moves because the Giants have been very bad the past couple years. Checking out Illinois, the Chicago Bears signed Andy Dalton, the three-time Pro Bowler and former Bengal and Cowboy came to an agreement with the Bears on a one-year $10 million deal. This is one of those contracts where I shrug my shoulders and I raise my hands in the air. I wish I had a camera so you could see, and I'm doing it right now, but why? Why do these franchises sign these veteran quarterbacks who are absolute trash cans and then give them huge money? Dalton was good at one point in his career, but he has not performed at his Pro Bowl level since 2016. That is a five-year gap. He served with the Cowboys' starting quarterback last year when Dak Prescott went down with a super gnarly ankle injury. And you want to talk about contracts? 
Dak Prescott's contract, four-year, $160 million. Nah, garbage. That dude is crap. The Cowboys will continue to lose with Dak behind center. I, I, I don't care what anyone says. He is not that crazy. <laughs> Back to Dalton. He now joins a quarterback room with the aging veteran who gets randomly hot and cold all the time, Nick Foles. Former second-round overall pick and former Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky was sent packing in the offseason as the Bears did not pick up his fifth-year option ahead of the 2020 season. The Bears made a huge push for Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, but Seattle deemed him off the table as they are not trading him at this time. Look for mediocre quarterback play once again in Chicago. Chicago, you are trash. Looking at big old Texas, an also laughable franchise, the Houston Texans signed Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) Garbage, another garbage guy. Another veteran quarterback on the market, the Houston Texans signed Tyrod Taylor to a one-year $12.5 million deal. Again with these contracts. This dude is total crap. He's so bad. He's getting more than Andy Dalton. And Tyrod is not even close to Dalton's level of play. I feel this move really shows the true intentions of what Houston has going on with Deshaun Watson. Watson wants out desperately. And there's obviously just recently, there's been some sex allegations that have just arisen from him. And Houston is looking to save their bacon with some kind of quarterback help in free agency. Personally, I don't think Tyrod is very good. Serving as a backup, he is wonderful. But to have him be your day one starter is not ideal. Look at last year on the Chargers. He started against the 0-16 Bengals in week one, and we barely beat them. Thank God for the winning kick, EMA. He then lost the starting quarterback job in week two when a team doctor accidentally punctured his lung while trying to treat a rib injury. That is so LA Chargers for you. Then came along rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. What this does for Houston is gives them a backup plan if Watson does decide to leave and all indications says he wants to. Two potential landing spots for him are Denver and San Francisco. And it is becoming more likely that it's Denver because San Francisco is not going to trade for him or sign him because they already have Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Beathard. There's no point to take him in Frisco. Denver, on the other hand, horrible quarterback play from Drew Locke this past season, and they have had a horrible QB room, the, not room, QB situation the past five to six years. And the Broncos just released Pro Bowl running back Phillip Lindsay to make way for Watson. Yes, it's not happening. Yes, it's a long shot, but the Broncos are putting in moves in place to possibly sign Watson Now, think about that. AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr. Oh, boy. Talk about insane talent in that division. Wowie. Taking a trip to South Beach, the Miami Dolphins signed Jacoby Brissett. Brissett will now serve as the Dolphins' backup behind former first-round pick Tua Tagovailoa on a one-year $7.5 million deal. And from now on, because I'm going to mention Tua more, I'm just going to say Tua, not his last name, because it's very hard to pronounce. So, continuing on. Brissett is widely known as one of the NFL's most talented and experienced backups. He will now serve as a quarterback bridge for Tua if a situation ever arises where they need a solid quarterback to come in and contribute right away. 
I like this move by Miami. Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the team last year, but like I mentioned earlier, he signed with Washington. Brissett and Tua make for a very talented one-two combo at the quarterback position. Brissett has played for the Patriots where he backed up Tom Brady for years, then was shipped to Indy where he played with Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers. Jacoby will most likely not start on this Miami team, but he will provide a very good presence and talent at the backup quarterback position. On our way to the Motor City, the Detroit Lions signed running back Jamal Williams to a two-year deal. Williams, who will turn 26 on April 3rd, confirmed the agreement in a tweet Tuesday night. He is likely to replace free agent Adrian Peterson, who had been Detroit's number two back next to Swift last season. Detroit also has its former starting running back, Carrion Johnson, on the roster, but Johnson had been primarily used as a third down and pass protection back last season. Williams and Swift will complete each other nice, and it's a good move for Detroit. They lost their star quarterback, Matthew Stafford, to the Rams and now have former Rams quarterback, Jared Goff. I think Detroit is aiming to have a new core group of guys on offense, and with the signing of Williams, it would appear they are continuing along with that trend. Back to the capital, Washington signs cornerback William Jackson III. Jackson and the Redskins reached an agreement on a three-year, $42 million contract. Washington quickly replaced starting cornerback Ronald Darby, who agreed to a deal with Denver, and it upgraded by grabbing the top corner on the market in Jackson. He might be considered a strong number two corner, as one AFC coach said, but he is good and consistent. There aren't many true number one corners in the league. Washington can pair him with veteran Kendall Fuller to form a solid corner tandem. Playing behind a better line than he had in Cincinnati, Jackson can help quite a bit. The 2016 first-round pick had 11 pass deflections, 8 more than his 2019 total, and had a 57.9 completion percentage when he was the nearest defender, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. When Jackson was lined up against receivers on the outside of the formation, his numbers were even stronger. As the nearest defender in those situations, his completion percentage allowed dropped to 56.1%. Jackson had his breakout season in 2017 when he allowed 10 catches on 41 targets for no touchdowns, an interception, and 13 pass deflections when he was the nearest defender against outside receivers, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Washington has really redecorated their roster so far this offseason. Nice move so far by them. The Carolina Panthers signed linebacker Denzel Perryman. Sad face. One of my favorite Chargers has signed with the Panthers on a two-year deal. Known for his physical and aggressive play at the middle linebacker position, he will take over for middle linebacker Tahir Whitehead, who has struggled to stay consistent and play sideline to sideline. Perriman is a versatile middle linebacker, and the Panthers address one of their biggest needs since Luke Kuechly re- retired surprisingly after eight seasons. The Chargers are pissing me off right now as of late, letting go of so many players. It's it's infuriating. Heading to the Music City, the Titans re-signed linebacker Jayon Brown. Brown and the Titans came to an agreement on a one-year $5.25 million deal. The move brings back one of the most consistent and versatile players on the Titans' defense over the last two seasons. Brown will retain his starting spot at inside linebacker when the Titans return to camp. A solid piece to a Tennessee defense that has two players in the market right now, Desmond King and Malcolm Butler, who will more than likely sign with someone else. So it's nice to see the familiar on the defense with Brown returning. I think if Tennessee figures out their QB problem, which should have been resolved when they drafted Mariota a long time ago, but that plan was unsuccessful, the Titans really do have a good team. 
It's one of those things where the offseason is make or break for a team. Some teams are a couple pieces away from being playoff or Super Bowl bound. The Titans are right in the pocket, one pick away, couple signees away from being really good. Returning back to NC, the Carolina Panthers signed Hassan Reddick. The Panthers doubling down on the middle linebacker position. Reddick and the Panthers agreed on a one-year $8 million deal, appearing in all 16 games for the fourth time in as many years. The linebacker tallied 63 combined tackles, 12.5 sacks, 6 forced fumbles, and 4 pass deflections with 11 starts as Arizona's pass rush proved more than formidable. Last year, the Cardinals finished 4th in the league with 48 sacks and were 10th overall against the pass. Reddick and Perryman provide a huge upgrade at the linebacker position. Both are good coverage linebackers, tacklers, and can mix it up anywhere on the field. Going back to Cali Cali, the 49ers re-signed left tackle Trent Williams. Probably the biggest signing of the free agency period so far, in my opinion, aside from A.J. Green to Arizona. The 49ers re-signed Trent Williams to a six-year, $138.06 million deal, which makes him the highest-paid NFL offensive lineman of all time. The eight-time Pro Bowler is very well-deserving of this contract. Even though he's 30 years old, he finished the 2020 season with the fourth-best pass-blocking rate at 93.6% among all offensive tackles. His eight Pro Bowl appearances are the most in the league by an offensive lineman since 2012. Good for him. He very well deserving of that one. Going back to the Capitol again, man. I'm telling you, they've been making some sweet moves. Washington signs wide receiver Curtis Samuel. Samuel and Washington reached an agreement on a three-year, $34.5 million deal. Washington was one of three landing spots for Samuel. Provides another offensive upgrade for an offense that desperately needs help aside from wide receiver Terry McLaurin. Big move for Washington. This will prove dividends, no doubt. Washington is on the cusp, dude. Like I mentioned earlier with Fitzpatrick, if he just is there for just this year and they draft, hopefully another quarterback this time that is not focused on strippers and drugs like Dwayne Haskins is, then the Redskins can actually be successful because they actually have a pretty okay team. And also, the NFC East is horrible. So it makes it easier for them to be good. Okay. Now, looking at Miami again, they signed wide receiver Will Fuller. Signed a one-year deal worth $10 million with incentives. Miami needed some serious playmakers to help new young quarterback Tua Tyvaloa. Fuller has been one of the best deep threats in the league since being drafted back in 2016 by the Houston Texans last season. Fuller set career highs in 11 games last season with 53 receptions for 879 yards and 8 touchdowns. Big upgrade for a Miami offense that needed some guaranteed offense really quick. This is a cool signing. I'm happy about this one. My Chargers signed tight end Jared Cook. Cook and the Chargers agreed to a one-year $6 million contract. This move makes total sense as the Chargers lost their former starting tight end Hunter Henry to the New England Patriots in this current free agency period. Boo. Cooks is a two-time Pro Bowler and is the perfect bridge for the next young tight end on our roster. Even though Cooks is 33, his past three years have been very good from an aging tight end. This helps the Chargers in a multitude of ways. Now, we probably will address tight end in the draft. I personally think so. Everyone has us now taking Kyle Pitts. Left tackles more of an is actually not more of an issue. It's our biggest need. Offensive line has been our biggest need the past two to three years. And now 
with our franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert, the line needs to be the priority more than anything. So I think the Chargers will realistically maybe take a tight end in the second and third round, fourth, maybe nothing later than that. But it's going to be two through four, in my opinion, because they do need to build some depth once Cook does leave. Looking at the Bills, they signed former first-round pick Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky signed with the Bills on a one-year deal. The terms have not been announced yet. I think this is good for Trubisky as I believe he does need a fresh start, but he won't be getting any playing time soon due to the Bills already having franchise quarterback Josh Allen. Mitchell will serve as a good backup. I've never liked him. I never liked his game coming out of North Carolina. Everyone knows on draft night when the Bears got him, they were just losing their minds. So I'm not personally a fan of him. And hopefully he can figure something out in Buffalo, but maybe he just needs a different system. Maybe give him a chance again, but I'm just glad the Chargers are nowhere near that. Now, moving on to Minnesota, the Vikings signed Patrick Peterson. The Vikings and former first-round pick agreed to a one-year $10 million deal, arguably one of the best cornerbacks in Arizona's history. His home is now in Minnesota. Peterson is reliable and has been to eight Pro Bowls. I don't like the move as the Cardinals are really on the rise this upcoming season, but if the Vikings were willing to pay for him, then so be it. But I really don't think it was smart on his on his part. You have a you have a young quarterback emerging. You just had all these awesome wide receiver free agency signings. Dude, and the defense is is stellar. Why are you leaving? You were a part of the team your whole career. Why are you going? You're going to go to Minnesota and nothing is going to happen and you're going to regret it and then you're going to want to come back and they're not going to pay you because you're a weenie. Whatever, dude. Enjoy your time there. It's going to be weird seeing him in the purple and yellow. Another Cardinal off the list, the Las Vegas Raiders signed running back Kenyon Drake. The Raiders and Drake came to an agreement on a two-year $11 million contract and is worth up to $14.5 million, including $11 million guaranteed. Drake had a stellar season last year for the Cardinals. 955 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, 25 catches for 137 receiving yards. Also, it was his third straight season of being over 1,000 yards for all-purpose yards. He will pair very nicely as the elusive speed back next to power every down back, Josh Jacobs. All right, that was a flurry of names. These are the players who have been signed so far. A ton of great moves by many teams. Free agency in the NFL is always the most exciting, I think, more than basketball or baseball. But here are some huge notable names that are off the list of non-signees. You'll be shocked to hear some of them. And there's still a lot of good players available. The first one being Kenny Galladay, pro bowler, has received an offer from Cincinnati, still wants a visit with the New York Giants. Three potential landing spots is the Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens, New York Giants, and also the Bengals, like I mentioned. Mitchell Schwartz, who is a tackle, Super Bowl champ, Potential landing spot is Baltimore. Baltimore is looking to trade star lineman Orlando Brown Jr. These two may be in the mix for potential swaps. Another tackle on the list, Alejandro Villanueva. Two-time Pro Bowler. A potential landing spot for him is the LA Chargers. That would be dope because our left tackle spot is in complete disarray and our line situation is just garbage. Villanueva's O-lineman coach in Pittsburgh, Sean Serrett, just landed an assistant O-lineman job in Los Angeles with the Chargers. An immediate connection right there. Wouldn't be surprised if they signed him. Next on the list is cornerback, also former Charger, Desmond King II. First team All-Pro, second team All-Pro. Potential landing spots, Las Vegas, Denver, Detroit, or re-signs with Tennessee. I would love to have him back in uh, Los Angeles now because... 
he had some weird beef with Anthony Lynn and his playing time. So now that Anthony Lynn is gone and we have a defensive-minded coach in Brandon Staley now as the head coach, that would be sweet to have a little reunion there. Probably probably won't happen, but it would be cool to see him return. An edge rusher on this list, Jadavian Clowney, three-time Pro Bowler, potential landing spots, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Jacksonville. Probably the most highly touted receiver on this list of free agent signees or non-signees, Juju Smith-Schuster, Pro Bowler. He will be a huge upgrade to the slot position for any team on this list or just for that matter, any team in the NFL. Potential landing spots, the Jags, the Chargers, the Jets, Miami, Las Vegas, and Cincinnati. You can kind of get the theme here. I have probably said Miami and Jacksonville uh, so many times, a hundred times. Because literally they need help in all facets of their team. A running back on this list, Chris Carson. Potential landing spots for him. The Steelers, the Bucks, or the Bills. Another lineman on this list, David Andrews. Two-time champ with the Patriots. Potential landing spots for him is Las Vegas or Frisco. Kyle Van Noy, former Patriot. Now returning to the Patriots. Two-time champ. I did have him on this list as hinting at a reunion. But now I already got the news already so I had to update it. The potential spots I did have for him were New England, Baltimore, Tennessee, and Denver, but he did agree to a contract with New England for two years. A wide receiver on this list, arguably the best receiver at one point in the league, Antonio Brown, Super Bowl champ, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL receptions leader, two-time NFL receiving yards leader, NFL receiving touchdowns leader, potential landing spots for him, Green Bay, Baltimore, Houston, Philadelphia, I had mentioned on the last show that there was a possibility of them trying to re-sign all those players in the Tampa Bay Bucks. He may be one of them that is leaving. It would still be nice to have him there. I'm not personally a fan of him, but he will make. He's good. He was. He's a legit receiver, so he'll make any team good. Another cornerback on this list. Some really good ones. Richard Sherman, Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. He. It was funny. He ruled out a return with Seattle almost immediately in free agency. I guess he's just done with that part of his life in Seattle. He's had easy. He's done with it. And there are a lot of teams in the mix to get him. Nine different teams. The Jets, the Bucks, the Patriots, the Raiders, Cowboys, Browns, Dolphins, Colts, and Ravens. You are drawing a crowd. You know you're good when you have that many teams checking you out. So come to LA. Let's <laughs> just throw that in there. Tenth one. Why not? Another cornerback on this list, Malcolm Butler. They're everywhere, man. They're all over this free agency list. So many guys have been signed. There's still so many that have not been signed. Two-time champ, pro bowler. He's really expensive. Two potential landing spots for him. Dallas, obviously, they'll pay him whatever money. Jerry Jones is a moron. And then Miami, they got a ton of money too. And like I've said, they've been everywhere on this list. They're willing to spend some big cash to get somebody. Defensive end, Melvin Ingram is the next on the list. Three-time pro bowler. He's sick. I like him on the Chargers. I just think he's too expensive now for his age, and he's just asking for too much, and you're just not good anymore, so just stop doing that. Three potential landing spots, Baltimore, Indy, or Jacksonville. Again, Baltimore, Jacksonville, needing some O-line and cornerback help. Another cornerback on this list who was really good at one point and arguably one of the best corners in the league, Xavier Rhodes, three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro. Six potential landing spots for him, Detroit, New York Giants, Tennessee, hmm, Dallas again, hmm, Miami again, and then Philadelphia Eagles, which is actually probably the first time I've mentioned the Eagles in this episode and the other episode. They have not done anything. <laughs> wow. The, 
This free agency period has been so damn exciting, and I can't wait to see the rest of the signees. A lot of talent is still available, and a lot of good players have been signed. Also, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of crappy players have received big contracts, and I'm just blown away by it. Some franchises in the NFL are dumb as hell. They will sign a homeless man in a bag of chips to play the quarterback spot. Sign me! I will play anywhere on the field. JK, I would die the second I'd step on the field, so don't do that. (laughs) Anyways, in this week's edition of The Breakdown, we have a special one. Here it is. Mr. Padre, Tony Gwynn is our next member mentioned on The Breakdown. I wanted to continue on with the theme of baseball for the third week in a row. Wanted to hit baseball, not just football in this episode, obviously with all the free agency news. Okay, Tony Gwynn, career Padre, eight-time NL batting champ, 15-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glover, seven-time Silver Slugger, San Diego Padres number 19 retired, San Diego Padres Hall of Famer, and MLB Baseball Hall of Famer. Tony G is one of the most decorated hitters to ever play the game and honestly is the best Padre to ever play the game. The left-handed hitting Gwim won eight batting titles in his career, tied for the most in National League history. He is considered one of the best and most consistent hitters in baseball history. Gwim had a .338 career batting average, never hitting below .309 in any full season. Dude, that is a stellar I can't stress that enough how good that is. He was a 15-time All-Star, recognized for his skills both on offense and defense with seven Silver Sluggers and five Gold Glove Awards. Gwynn was the rare player in his era that stayed with a single team his entire career, and he played in the only two World Series appearances in San Diego's franchise history. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007, his first year of eligibility. This man has a statue at Petco Park dedicated to his honor. We lost Tony in 2014 to a form of mouth cancer. Always living on through our hearts, Tony G will always be remembered as an all-time Padre legend and MLB legend. Like always, looking at one particular season from his resume, it is so absolutely impossible to do so. He has seasons where he has multiple 200-hit seasons and only one season hitting under 300. Dude, that is so wild. You You don't see that. Like, that is incredible. For all the people that lived during the 80s and got to see him play, dude, you must have been just having a blast at the ballpark. The guy was on base all the time. Insane. Never known for being a power hitter, he still managed to get on base all the time and was a very gifted runner and hitter. He is the 16th all-time best hitter based on average and is a member of the 3,000 Hits Club. 1987 saw him average 370, 218 hits, 7 home runs, 54 RBIs, 56 stolen bases, a 447 OBP, a 511 slugging, and a 958 OPS. 370. I'm curling my fingers. 370. That's almost hitting 400 in a season. Just destroying the ball every time he's up to the plate. His career stats at bats 9,288, 3,141 hits, 135 homers, batting average of 338, 1,138 RBIs, 
319 stolen bases, a 388 OBP, a 459 slugging, and an 847 OPS. If everything goes as planned, Juan Soto, who is currently playing right now, has the potential to be the next Tony G. Now that is some high praise. If you are ever at a point in your career and are being compared to Tony Gwynn, you're a gangster. (laughs) Plain and simple. Elite status for real. So, with that being said, none of you non-baseball watchers or baseball watchers continue to watch Juan Soto. Literally witnessing greatness here, people. Thank you, Tony G, for being a huge inspiration for the city of San Diego and the game of baseball. Okay, no more sad stuff. That is all the time we have for Balling with Tyler Todd today. Thank you for listening in. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you all on Tuesday. Later.